Welcome back everyone to another episode of Afghan Beyond Conflict. This series will be running throughout the month of February on Wednesdays and for Saturdays at 6 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. To receive notifications and updates regarding the series, please follow our social media platforms. And if you miss any of our episodes, please check them out on our YouTube channel. Today we will be in conversation with Masood Husseini. Masood is a Kabul native, former political activist and photojournalist who got his start shooting images of Afghan refugees in Iran. After the September 11 attacks, he returned to Afghanistan to join AINA, a French cultural organization studied with and studied with photographer Manoucher Degat. Uh, his gut-wrenching photo of a screaming girl in the aftermath of a suicide bombing that killed more than 70 people won him the 2012 Pulitzer Prize. He has covered the war on tem- terrorism since 2007. Masood, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for inviting me for this great conversation. Now, as customary with this series, Masood, the first question that I would like to ask you is, what does it mean to you to be an Afghan? Well, actually, uh, this is really, really, uh, I mean, a complicated uh, uh, kind of uh, question for me. Let me say uh, what happened to me in my life and where I grew up. Well, I, um, I was born in Kabul in 1981, but I opened my eyes in Iran. And whatever I listened and I saw in the first, I mean, years of my life was in another country. Well, I grew up in Iran and um, uh, I, it, there was two kind of refugees in Iran. Uh, one that they had a, a blue ID uh, from UN and they were kind of um, realized and count as a official refugees and then unofficial or illegal refugees. So, Legal refugees didn't have any right in Iran, but I had the right to study in the Iranian school and the university, and I could uh, join with the Iranian uh, for anything, for whatever is it was. I mean, existed in Iran, and because um, in Iranian uh, public, um, Afghan people are mostly famous. in Hazara face, in the Asian face. Hazara is one ethnicity of the, uh, I mean, all ethnicities of Afghanistan. So, and because Hazaras are uh, Shia in religion, they mostly went to Iran, but uh, their, uh, I mean, face is kind of their identity in Iran as an Afghan. So, but I wasn't like that. I, wa- I didn't have that, I mean, um, Asian face. And uh, then uh, Iranian always thought that I am Iranian. So uh, I grew up there exactly like one Iranian person. And I could join everything that they had, the religious, uh, uh, I mean, uh, guards, um, uh, um, uh, revolution guards, actually, uh, uh, any kind of cultural Uh, uh, gathering any kind of cultural society, I could go in without any problem. And I kind of melted on the Iranian society. And I never thought that how Afghans are or 
what is Afghan, uh, uh, I mean, in general. When I finished my high school, um, I uh, kind of uh, take my camera, you know, I started photography when I was 17. And um, I worked for it in a tailor shop to buy it. So it was so important for me to do a great job with it. When I finished my high school, uh, uh, my, my father in, in encouraged me to go to a charity organization and uh, try to do something nice because uh, I, I, I need to do something bigger and nicer. And I went to Afghan uh, charity organization and for the first time they took me to um, uh, refugees uh, like uh, camp, let's say, which was away from my own house, only one hour drive. And I, it was disaster, you know, it was uh, horrible. It was really, really a bad condition, condition of the life. And the person who took me there, he was also a, uh, a person from Afghanistan. And he told me that, see, this is your people. This is Afghans. And uh, we have to work our people, our countrymen. And I couldn't believe it. You know, I thought that uh, the Iranian society doesn't know about these people. And I was so surprised and I was so sad. And it became a shock for me. So that's why the reason that I start taking pictures from their life and trying to show it to the hosting community of Iran and telling them that, listen, do you know that these people are living here and they do not have any rights? They do not have anything. They do not have water. Uh, they do not have power, no home, no roads, nothing. And they're just living in the tents. And uh, that was the first, I mean, moment or uh, time that I kind of like was confused about my identity. Till that time, I, I thought that I am an Iranian, but to be because I never seen Afghanistan and I grew up with Iranian, I thought that I will stay there. I will get the Iranian ID and that problem will be solved. But after that, I saw um, those illegal refugees in close to my place. I was confused that, do I want this identity or not? Because if they know that these people are living here and they don't do anything, so I don't want to be like, I don't want to be a fame uh, by that identity. So that's why that, uh, uh, it was really difficult for me. And uh, when after the 11th September, uh, uh, September 11th, sorry, uh, when I came back to Afghanistan, I saw uh, for sure Herat, hmm. Herat city. And uh, where I was living was the sister of, I mean, Tim Mashhad inside. Um, right. Iranian and close to and border, so they were a bit close in the culture, and uh, but I thought that I went back hundred years 
uh, actually back. You know, when I entered to Herat, the life and the situation was 100 years back. And um, everybody were, I mean, too nice with me, but they thought that I'm Iranian. And I, I couldn't try to, I mean, convince them that I am from Afghanistan. So I um, followed my journey and I reached Kabul. And I saw uh, and I filled Kabul for the first time a war zone. And it really much scared me because I didn't know anything about it, about my born place, you know? And um, well, wherever I go, sorry, wherever I went, and whoever I contacted, they all thought that I'm Iranian and they didn't trust me. And that was another confusion and another problem for me to convince everybody around myself that I'm Afghan. And it was too, too simple for them to ask me that, okay, if you're Afghan, talk with like us, eat like us, um, wear the clothes like us. And I couldn't do all of them because <laughs> I wasn't that person that they, they wanted. And well, um, af after all uh, the years that I uh, worked and covered war in Afghanistan and I tried to be uh, more close to Afghan people, it was another opportunity to go to uh, other countries, to the Western countries, and see how other people think about us and how other people are. You know, it was a big question mark for me that how people in the West are living, you know, how they are. Because whatever I saw, it was inside the movies and it was inside the a lot of TV shows, and they were completely different people. But when I went there, I, I saw that it's completely simple. They are completely like me, but only some of other part of their other col culture is different. They're not coming from other planet, you know? And um, it was too easy to be friend with them, like everywhere else, like Iran, like Afghanistan, like Pakistan, like India, like everywhere, you know? Mm. And uh, well, uh, I, I traveled to 35 countries and everywhere um, people, the local people, refugees, whoever were, I mean, meeting me and I, I visit them, they were telling me that stay here, you could live here. And then I, I find out that, all right, I'm not belongs to one place. I cannot say that my identity is only Afghan identity. I cannot say that. I can be with everybody, with all, I mean, identities in the world, around the world is completely uh, fine with me. And I can be everywhere that I want. And I can uh, live peacefully and friendly with all people around the world. So that's uh, kind of like um, the reason that I cannot say that I'm, I, I can say that I'm only Afghan uh, right now. That, I mean, that's a very powerful story. You mentioned something about Hazaras and, you know, the fact that they usually, 
usually migrate to Iran because of their religious beliefs. Could you uh, expand on that point a bit? How are, I mean, the refugees, of course, within the camps are um, treated atrociously, like you mentioned, but what are, how, how is the maneuvering of Hazaras conventionally within Iranian society outside of the refugee camps? Well, um, uh, unfortunately, um, Iranian society um, kind of um, had a, a bit racist, uh, I mean, behave with the Hazaras in Iran, which comes from Iranian uh, revolutionary education, to be honest. Well, Iranian um, uh, revolutionary uh, uh, system try to exp- try to I mean teach the Iranian that they are the best people in the world, and the other people and other Muslims in the world are lower than them. And um, this uh, uh, I mean mentality was the main uh, problem. Every Iranian thought that the Hazaras are uh, those who are, I mean, Asian faces, they, they are Afghans and they are uh, lower in their civilization, in their behavior, in their knowledge, in, in their culture. And that's why that they were looking them from up to, I mean, down. That was the reaction of Iranian, uh, mostly Iranian people. But as I told you, because I, I, I was not from that ethnicity and my face was different. So they never thought that I'm Afghan. And whenever I had to uh, introduce myself and telling them that uh, I am from Afghanistan and I'm a refugee, well, um, they were really shocked. They couldn't believe it. They were telling me, no, you're not from Afghanistan. You're not Afghan. I, and I had to just tell them, okay, this is my blue ID, and see, I'm, I'm from Afghanistan. And um, so that was the main, actually, uh, behave and reaction of uh, Iranian people about Hazaras. That's unfortunate to hear, um, you know, but it, this isn't the only experience that I've heard of myself as well. You know, whenever I do speak about uh, speak to people that have come from um, Afghanistan to Iran and then to London, I usually hear a similar story from that as well. Um, mm-hmm. That they have, and they, their face usually gives away the fact that they are Afghans, and, uh, and you know, it, they've sort of become the poster child of an Afghan refugee and what they're meant to look like, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and therefore are uh, treated accordingly, which is, it's sad to hear. Um, you know, on as but more towards your work now your photography is powerful to say the least i mean the one image that goes around the internet the most is the one that you went won the pulitzer for uh you know in 2012 it's uh you know one thing that i've always wondered whenever i see photography like that is what must the photographer have been thinking when that shot was taken. I mean, you see the catastrophe and the devastation that you're surrounded by. Uh, could you comment on that? Well, um, yes, actually, if I uh, want to talk about that story, it would take a lot of time, but let let's let me start in this way that uh, when I was in Iran, 
So I never seen any violence um, in the street or any bombing or anything. When I was a child, the war was the other side of the country, the war between Iran and Iraq, and I never seen anything uh, from war. What I just um, like uh, saw about the war and violence was in the TVs and uh, whatever I was uh, listening to the radio, especially BBC. And uh, the rest, uh, I grew up like a normal person, normal Iranian, uh, uh, playing um, ping pong, football, going to swimming pool, and uh, running, going to the nature, that's it, you know? And when I came back to Afghanistan, I was 19. And I start, uh, I mean, working and uh, trying to explore first myself about Afghanistan, how, uh, I mean, just to um, get more knowledge, more information that what is Afghanistan, where is it, and why is war here? So that's why that uh, when I joined Aina and uh, start photography, so that kind of like convinced me because I had the photography with myself for the means that myself, I know Afghanistan. And the same time I could have that, uh, I mean, photo with myself and record it and uh, could see it many times and think about it and then go and show it to others and talk about it, you know? Well, um, when I start uh, uh, my professional assignments in 2004 and uh, for uh, uh, Sunday Times Magazine in London, that was my first one. I, I really loved it because I learned a lot of things in Afghanistan. Well, um, after that, I decide to cover, uh, I mean, everything in Afghanistan, especially war, to understand first myself what is war and why is going on in Afghanistan. So um, for everything that I did uh, till now, uh, myself was in the center to know what is Afghanistan and why we are, I mean, uh, kind of uh, involving all this problem. And um, well, uh, I start going to the, uh, I mean, uh, embedding with the uh, American and other uh, foreign troops in Afghanistan, uh, uh, recording their, uh, I mean, um, operations. And uh, where it was really, really uh, interesting for me to see the, uh, the most powerful army in the world, the most uh, modern, army in terms of technology in the world was going to the villages that those villages some of them they they even didn't see vehicles for the first i mean in their life they didn't have power they didn't have water they didn't have um, road nothing actually that was really uh, i mean interesting for me to see and that's why that i was thirsty all the time to go and record and look everything that I, uh, I mean, face and take that picture for myself. Well, um, 
in all of this, uh, I, I, I mean, uh, time, well, I also covering uh, uh, like religious ceremonies, which was uh, kind of connected to my uh, myself, you know, because I am a Shia and uh, I am from a really religious family and I grew up with those, uh, I mean, ceremonies, but those ceremonies in Afghanistan was different a bit, you know, like in, in Iran, we didn't uh, have permission to go out to do those, I mean, uh, uh, ceremonies. But here in Afghanistan, uh, I ha we had this permission. I mean, we had more uh, freedom of religion and freedom of expression. So we could go out in the cities, uh, sorry, in the streets and do uh, whatever the, the res want us to do, you know. And for me... Now I was uh, looking uh, from like the bed uh, other side, you know. I was recording it. I had a, my I had a, my camera, and um, I could show that ceremony to the world. However, I could, you know. It was, uh, I mean, depends on me that I show the realities that I wanted to say, because whatever was about media and um, journalists in, in Iran. What was that the journalists who were working for foreigners, they lie and uh, they, they, they say whatever the foreigners want. But now it was me working for Agence France Press and it was that uh, ceremony that I was so familiar with it. And I was, uh, I mean, um, free to uh, show whatever I want and on uh, whatever I see, you know? And that's why that I was covering that ceremony for years. And I never believed that anything will happen. In 2011, uh, 6th of December, well, I went to cover that uh, Muharram or Ashura day, the 10th of Muharram, as always, you know, as a normal, as a normal job, I mean, that I was doing it for a year, I mean, for some years. And um, when I was recording uh, the uh, pictures, video, sound, and everything. So I kind of saw um, a really different color, uh, which uh, for the first time I saw that a girl uh, I mean, we're that color and uh, try to perform some part of the religious, which is uh, about the Muslim ch child, children, like 1,400 years ago. And uh, those children were being killed on that time by the b bad guys. So that was the performance. And it was interesting was, for uh, me that reenacting Karbala, yes, uh, the yes, right, okay, exactly. Well, um, uh, we don't go to those details actually, but those children uh, were the children of messenger of Imam Hussein to Karbala, but that messenger was being killed, and then these children were beheaded too. They were boys, but uh, what I saw, it was a girl that tried to perform that. It was really interesting for me. 
I saw her, she was too shy, and uh, uh, she was attached to her mother. And uh, because there was another group, um, um, uh, like mourner, um, uh, mourners that they were singing in Pashto language, I, I, I said, okay, first I go and record the video and the voice of these people, and then I'll be back, I'll come back, and then I'll start taking some pictures from this girl. Well, I went uh, to uh, those a group of new people that were singing in Pashto language, and I start recording my uh, video, and after like probably uh, 11 seconds after that I pushed the button, the explosion happened. So um, I uh, kind of throw out to the street and uh, well, um, I kind of lost my conscience for some time, for some seconds. I sat, sat down in my uh, place on the street and tried to uh, kind of uh, analyze what ha what's happening. And I saw that people are running from smoke there is a smoke there, and people are running away. So I st stood up, uh, like I could. I was really shaken, and uh, but I was there as a journalist, as a photojournalist, and mm -hmm. I kind of like felt that I should know what's going on. I have to know. My guess was um, that it, a, a gas caps, uh, I mean, balloon is exploded or probably something happened to a car or whatever, you know. I never thought that uh, it's a, uh, a suicide attack. So I ran to the smoke, exactly the opposite way of people. And uh, I, I kind of, when I, I went to the hearth of the smoke, I stood up there and uh, like wait because I didn't see much. And then when the smoke disappeared, I find my, myself in the center of a circle that that circle was completely dead bodies and destroyed bodies of people. And I, after that, after like several days that I kind of my, got all my conscious back and I saw again to the photos, I was standing exactly in the point that the suicide attacker explode himself there. And I will start taking pictures from there, you know? So somebody comes and explodes himself and kills probably hundred, uh, more than 150. And then I go to the same place and I start taking picture of that, you know? And um, uh, well, I uh, took picture from around myself and then I uh, saw that there is a color which is now in my eyes, but I didn't remember that what is it, what, what is it, you know, because it was too big shock, you know. So I tried to make myself closer to that um, color and I started taking those pictures. I, I couldn't hear what she, she was telling me because I couldn't hear anything actually. But I was just taking picture, and uh, I, I could uh, see her through uh, uh, my lens, 
that uh, she's trying to ask help from anybody around uh, herself, but uh, nobody could do anything. And uh, well, that was the, uh, I mean, um, kind of uh, situation that I had uh, uh, on that day. Uh, well, af after that, I find out that I am in the uh, kind of, um, in the center of a suicide attack. Well, um, according to the training that I had for the war journalism and war photography, I had, I, I need to, and I should run back and get a position and try and, I mean, and wait for police to avoid for the second explosion, which might kill me too. But, well, I didn't do that actually, because I, I thought that this is yeah. what I have as a responsibility now. I have to show it, whatever happens. And I said, all right, I'm taking these pictures, whatever happens. If another explosion happens, they might find my camera or my chip. So they will have the pictures. Then I start and continue photography till um, the end of it. When I send the pictures to the world, to the wireless, it was 25 minutes after explosion. You know, it was too fast, actually, I did it. And, uh, uh, well, I then I, I went home, but mentally I couldn't get away from that place. You know, I thought that I left something there. I thought myself, I'm there, I'm yet. And I, I really uh, didn't know what to do. I kind of thought that this is only a body that I'm carrying to home. My spirit, my um, soul is there with them. But that was really difficult, to be honest, you know. But when I went home and uh, tried to comfort myself, I couldn't. You know, I thought that probably till that afternoon, till that night, probably I die. You know, that was the reaction that I had actually in my body, in my mental. And my heart was beating more than 200 times actually. And it was too, too much pressure on me. And I was asking myself that what else I could do, you know? And if I could do anything, then why I didn't do it? You know, I I um, had an injury in my, I mean, um, hand. And that's why that I couldn't stay much because it was too much pain. And, uh, uh, well, uh, during, uh, it was a dinner time, actually. I I, I wasn't really at the home. I, I, I wasn't in conscious uh, perfectly. And then a call, I had a call from Hong Kong um, and uh, my boss in Hong Kong called me and he said me really excited that uh, Masoud, Masoud, congratulations, your pictures is worldwide, I mean, uh, printed and being published in the biggest newspapers in the world. Well, and that was the uh, time that 
it made me a bit calm and said, all right, I did my responsibility. I said and I showed to all world that what happened to my people and what happened in Afghanistan, what happened in Kabul and what this violence did to us. So that was the moment that I took that picture and the feeling that I had. That is a very powerful experience, and I would like to thank you for sharing such a personal experience as well. Um, you know, it's kind of left me a bit um, speechless, in all honesty, regarding, uh, you know, because you see the photo, but then, and you imagine the story in a hundred different ways in your own mind, but then you never really know the reality, and every I think no one can really feel the same way until they unless they hear it from the photographer themselves so i really mm -hmm. would like to thank you for sharing that experience with us um because i can imagine recalling it can't be easy either and um you know it it there was an interesting point that you made when you were starting your photography you stated that you wanted to see what afghanistan was you know and that's what motivated you to go around um taking photographs and you know with your camera to see what afghanistan was and from that you also said that you wanted to know what war was um were there any conclusions or any um you know crucial points that you've come to or any um you know answers that you may have to that question i mean i'm sure they're very wide and broad questions and we could be all here all day um you know, um, yeah. the answers for them, but anything that you would like to specifically... Well, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, um, it's, well I, 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 I saw and I understood many things about Afghanistan. And uh, the main thing or the new thing that I learned, which I didn't have it before in my childhood, was that the war is so ugly and i i needed to show that face you know the war was like evil it was really really scary it was really really inhuman and um, i had to show that monster to people right and um, i tried my best I, I never thought that um, kind of photographing war and facing war will damage myself too because I was completely dedicate myself to show it to society, to people that this war, please stop it. Well, unfortunately, I was alone, probably. I did my best, but war never finished in Afghanistan. And um, yeah, well, the answer that I tell you is that um, for sure that in, in between, I met many great people. Uh, I uh, kind of visit really, really beautiful villages, like a paradise in the earth. But they were all invaded by war, by monsters, you know? And um, I, I couldn't enjoy, I mean, those places as, as what I wanted, you know? Um, before that, uh, uh, I start, I mean, 
photography as my profession, photojournalism. I thought that I am in Afghanistan and I will do my best to show the beauty of this nature, uh, this land, the nature of this land, and try to create hope, accelerate hope, and kind of try to be positive in this country. When I uh, start uh, covering war, uh, well, I thought that I'll do it till 2007 or 2008. And then in this 2007 and eight, the war will be finished. Peace will come and I'll do my best for showing peace, beauty, nature, life, hope. But unfortunately, I drowned on the on war. You know, um, I, I don't know if I, I, I should say that this is like a war photographer says or not, but I tell you that war photography is really big, you know, it's really important. Many photographers want to do that. It is something that people will see that you're so brave. You're a big person, you're a strong person, and you do the most important job in the world. But in the other side, war destroy a photographer who's living in war zone. And that happened to me too. And uh, well, I, I did my best for Afghanistan. I tried to bring awareness about war, what war is doing. War was destroying the bodies, but the main important was destroying the humanity, the culture, the religion, country, nature, everything. I wanted to show them. And then after like 20 years covering war, I understood that war also destroying the photographer as well. And well, this is me right now. And um, try to uh, still try to do my best. And uh, still I'm in war. Oh, and we admire your courage, I can say the least. It's uh, very brave to be able to run towards the place where everyone else is running away from. Uh, you know, I've seen through your Twitter that this situation in Kabul at the moment uh, mm. isn't any better. Could you provide your comments on that and what it's like at the moment and what the present situation is and how do you see, you know, how do you see the future unfolding? Well, um, uh, every morning we start our day by explosion. And uh, well, I sleep, I am in my bed and it, at six o'clock in the morning, I wake up. Right now I'm not working for any uh, agencies, so I'm a freelancer. So I, I don't go to any office or anything. So I woke up at six o'clock and I try to check 
all uh, social media to see where was the explosion and who's been killed. If you uh, know, like, uh, the main target right now for the terrorists, I don't know whom should I call them, you know, because there are a lot of them in Afghanistan. There are Taliban, there are Al-Qaeda, there are IS, there are Haqqani, and the others, right? And um, they start this campaign, the terror campaign, by killing journalists. Why? Because as much as they killed um, people, right, the civilian, then it get used to it, news get used to it. Nobody was shocked about it. As much as they killed police and army, then also it was a normal news. So they went to another phase to kill celebrities, famous journalists, and those that people love, you know, civil uh, society people. And they are still doing it. A lot of, um, unfortunately, in these few months, a lot of uh, educated people, uh, civil society and human rights uh, activists already left Afghanistan. And um, there are few people that uh, uh, here in Kabul right now that we cannot go out of our home. And uh, whenever we want to go out of the house, we knew that it might be another bomb to kill us. So this is the situation, to be honest, that I can't get anywhere. And I cannot go to visit my friends. I cannot go to a restaurant. I cannot go to a coffee shop. And I'm staying home and my life is completely uh, like a unreal. I'm living with the online means. I, nobody can see me. I can't see anyone outside. So this is situation in Kabul. Every day is started by a bomb, a magnetic bomb, then killing maybe several people in one place. And uh, with the situation that our government has, unfortunately, the weakness that President Ghani has, and he cannot manage anything. He's not, uh, I mean, credible uh, president for us. And with the problem that, uh, with the process that we have with the terrorist group that we conduct a peace process and try to talk to them. So the country is completely on the fire right now, especially Kabul. And I really scared that uh, it might be even worse because a spring is coming and a spring uh, I mean unlike the other places in the world that every other people try to celebrate spring and they're going to the nature we have fire that Taliban bring it to us we have hell in the spring started and we have 
fire which they make it for us every spring till the end of summer. So uh, I really, I mean, um, scared from this time because now they are much more um, kind of uh, angry to kill more people, especially they try to cut those people uh, that their voice, sorry. They try to cut the voice of those people who are talking for Afghan people. And let's see what will happen. Well, I applaud your bravery and I do wish you all the safety and health in the world. Um, Thank you. You, you know, I mean, of course, this is a hefty part about what Afghanistan has become. And it's, it's heartbreaking because of all the innocent people that get caught in all this crossfire and get known as collateral damage, you know, with uh, different political motives being involved. But with, I mean, it, and it's very difficult to put aside and, and by no means trying to undermine it. But without that being, not without that being there, but other than that, what is the Afghanistan that you want people to know? you know, on a more sort of wholesome note in that sense that, that, of course, there's much more to Afghanistan than just war. But I mean, I wouldn't say just war, but more than war. Um, you know, what is that in your eyes? What is that Afghanistan? Well, um, actually, we have a lot of other uh, um, of cultures nature and many other colors of life that pe first people of Afghanistan should see and then other the world see. Unfortunately, war um, limit traveling of people around the country. Unfortunately, every corner of Afghanistan doesn't know about the other corner of Afghanistan. And that's, I really wanted to try this, you know? I really wanted to use photography to bring peace also, and to show them that how beautiful co country they have, and why they do not try to stop the war. Well, I, I always wanted to show like Badakhshan province to Kandahar and Helmandi, people in the south and show like host to the north in the city in the in Mazar city or show Mazar city to Konar and show beauty of Konar to Herat but unfortunately war stopped everything we stuck in a war which is not ours and um, we are just the victim I, I wanted that people of Afghanistan find the opportunity to see each other, to talk to each other, to uh, being host for each other, being guest for each other, and understand that they do not have any problem. And this war is not our war. And the only uh, problem is that some part of Afghan society is being um, used. They are like toys in other, I mean, 
country's hand to do their politics. I wanted to just them to know, you know. I want them to be and to think and to see Afghanistan love the Afghanistan and live in it. Do not destroy it. Do not create hate. And do not let terrorists use this land for anything. This this is what I wanted that people know. Well, I mean, those are, I do hope that becomes a reality in the future, future and that the autonomy is granted to the Afghan people themselves. And so they get to be, you know, they get um, to get, they get the opportunity to have the power over their narrative and the way that their country operates. You know, simple things that I think we, especially in the West, that take for granted is traveling from one city to another is not a reality on the ground. And it's hard to imagine what that is what that could be like you know i think uh, even the lockdown that's taking place in these circumstances at the moment has been such a has been a shock to us here but it's a normal it's a reality over there that's existed for many years and uh you know it, the anticipation of all that it, it's uh it's heartbreaking um now, I mean, this is the opportunity, this is the part of the, I mean, we've almost come to the end of our time, and this is the part where I basically allow our speakers to be able to conclude with the remarks that they wish um, regarding Afghanistan and Afghan identity and, you know, and with the topic that we've spoken about today so much. So please, I mean, the mic is yours. Well, um Well, uh, let me say just some of my wishes that I have for, for this country. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I, I wish actually to see peace, to feel peace in Afghanistan when I'm alive. And I hope to see it in my lifetime. And uh, well, um, people of Afghanistan are really, really tired of war. And they are completely uh, out of this, uh, any influence in this situation. And um, I don't know uh, how should we inform the other societies, international communities that uh, try to help us to get rid of this monster. And this monster is not from Afghanistan. And um, we do not want to be a victim for others' proxy war in this uh, place. We do not want to die because Russia and U.S. have problems. We do not want to die because India and Pakistan have problems. We do not want to die if Iran and Saudi have problems. And we just want to live only rights, our place. Do not um intervene to any other uh, affairs of any other countries in the region we never attack anywhere afghanistan never went to war with any other countries in his history and i don't know how to i mean ask this you know how to tell them that please leave us alone probably we can make peace if you do not force us for doing anything else, you know? Well, I wish 
that uh, Afghan children, they go to their school without any fear. And when they go to a school, the parents do not be worried anymore that, okay, my children will come alive or not. I saw many of these uh, disaster uh, stories myself. I recorded them. Well, um, I, I hope that those soldiers who marry and after one month after their marriage go to the war, they could see their wife again. And I hope those uh, women that their husbands go to war, they see their husband again in the home. They um, celebrate no rules. They eat together and they go together to parties to mehmanis, I mean, the local mehmanis. I hope that all wishes that the youth in Afghanistan has, the normal, I mean, wishes, it's not a really big or really difficult, uh, get real. They, they get their wishes and they get what they want. And I hope that everybody who loves in Afghanistan stay in Afghanistan comfortably in peace. And well, you know, that's a big problem. You know, we, we all love our country, but sometimes some of us have to immigrate outside. They go outside, but still they kind of like born in that, uh, I mean, uh, situation, you know? It, it's exactly like that you get away from your love. Your love will stay somewhere else and you will go thousand miles away from that country, that place, that hometown. Uh, I, as I told you, I went to more than 35 countries. They were so beautiful for sure. They were really peaceful. They were so great. I, the longest after Iran, the longest uh, that I stayed was Holland. I stayed in a really uh, small city called Dordrecht and it was completely uh, like a paradise. And I had a bike there and I was going around that city by bike. That was a really beautiful city, but when I biking, when I am biking in Kabul, I feel something else, you know? I know that the streets, the mountains, the trees, everything is mine. And that's really good feeling. You know? I am the owner. And I hope that this uh, land, this country, um, see the peace, reach peace, and hug peace, and stay alive like every other place. Well, I hope 
that dream comes true and i hope that you get to witness it in your lifetime thank you so much masood for that incredible interview it was a very insightful and powerful conversation definitely heart touching um and i would like to thank our audience for watching please join us again uh, this coming saturday at the same time where we'll be in conversation with professor nazif shahrani and i would like to thank everybody again um from identity international